This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, good morning, Charlie. Um, I say good morning and glancing out the window. It's not kind of a very rotten pretty. looking day, you know? Yeah. Gee, what, what happened to spring? That's all I want to know. Well, at least there's no snow on the ground, okay? Look, look on the bright side. Oh, all right, all right. <laughs> it there is damp. It is definitely damp. It's not super warm and here at uh, the Zoomerplex, it's rather foggy. Yes. Yeah, uh, Shirley just sent me a note. Uh, is it, how bad's the fog? <laughs> it wasn't that bad earlier this morning, oh, really. Right? So it's it's become worse. You know what? I, this, I think, is more rain than fog. I yep. think it's very light drizzle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, whatever the case, we're going to brighten your day. Yes, How's we that? are. That's mm-hmm. our job. Exactly. Franklin Proctor here. And the phone numbers, uh, as given out by the sous chef of the garden, here they are in Toronto. Call 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, hey, it's toll-free, 1-866-744-740. Our little mantra goes this way, call early, call often, one question per call. And if you happen to be a first-time caller, let... Uh, well, actually, I was going to say Sebastian, but Sebastian Duncan. is, uh, yes, in charge of Duncan this morning, who's on the board. So let uh, Duncan know, and he'll let me know, and you're going to hear that before you get to the airways. Get your garden wings, yeah. okay? All righty, Charlie, what do you have for us? I have, we could probably just do the whole show of announcements. Oh, <laughs> I really? probably have oh. an hour's worth of announcements. He gets. Yes, it's that time of year. So quickly, uh, just some really... Great things going on. Tomorrow, the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society is hosting their annual plant sale. So a lot of plant sales going on. This is the time of year you can get out and get unusual plants. Uh, the plant sale tomorrow is held at the TBG Toronto Botanical Garden, 777 Lawrence Avenue East at Leslie. It's from 11 until 2. Uh, now remember, these are plants that are rare. Some are rare, some are familiar, but they are from the members' gardens. Mm-hmm. So the members, of course, um, have all kinds of wild and wacky specimens. So the Ontario Rock Garden and Hardy Plant Society, Members plant sale, everybody's welcome. Toronto Botanical Gardens in the Floral Hall tomorrow, 11 to 2. Then, May the 8th, so that'd be four days from today, I guess that's Wednesday, the Scarborough Garden and Hort Society. They're hosting Dougald Cameron, <clears throat> and Dougald is excellent as a speaker, so if you can get to this one, do it. He's going to be speaking about growing clematis, 7.30 p.m., Scarborough Recreation Centre, 3600 Kingston Road at Markham Road. Now, May 11th, just pull out your calendar, cross May 11th off your, <laughs> off yeah. you just do nothing on May 11th except shopping because there are plant sales everywhere. Wow. The Scarborough Garden and Hort Society is holding their plant sale. Uh, that is a rain or shine at the historic Campbell House Farm. Yeah, that's the day before Mother's Day, so you know oh, it's going to be crazy busy. Oh, wait a minute. Does that, yeah, no, because today's the 4th. No, no, it's the 12th. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's next Saturday. It's the yeah. 11th, yeah. Oh, good on you. You're right on that. <laughs> so this is all happening next Saturday. Right. So 
you're going to listen to the show here, then you're off to the shops because, or, or to the parking lots, as the case may be, um, because there's so many plant yeah. sales. So 9.30 to 1 o'clock, Campbell House Farm, which is right at the Scarborough Village Rec Centre. Uh, there's another plant sale, the Markham Garden and Hort Society, next Saturday, 9 to noon, at the Markham Village Community mm-hmm. Centre in the parking lot. That's uh, Main, Highway 7 and Main Street, or East, yeah, Highway 7 East at Highway 48, which is also known as Main Street. The Niagara-on-the-Lake Court Society welcomes everyone to their annual plant sale next Saturday. Uh, that's at the um, Niagara-on-the-Lake Arena, Virgil, which uh, everybody would know where that is, 9 a.m. until 12 noon. The Hort Societies of Parkdale and Toronto are hosting their plant sale next Saturday, 10 until 2, at the Roncesvalles United Church, which is 240 Roncesvalles Avenue. Rain or shine, this is an indoor one. Most of them are outdoors. Uh, um, of course, these all have free admission. They're all wheelchair accessible, and they all will have amazing plants for sale. Um, just jumping forward on my notes here, looking for a date. Um, well, one more. Blenheim Hort Society is hold is having a meeting on May the 15th, Monday, May the 15th at 7.30 p.m. That's at the Trinity Anglican Church, 59 Ellen Street in Blenheim. It's an interesting speaker. John Taylor is a local historian and collector. And he's an expert on the history of hats. So what's hats got to do with hort societies? Good question. Apparently, mm-hmm. some of these hats will have horticultural inferences. So his collection is amazing. It ranges from royalty, movie stars, to mid-century artifacts. So that would be a lot of fun. 730 Trinity Anglican Church in Blenheim. Okay. So that wraps up the announcements for the moment. And we're going to move to the calls. We've got a full line. Absolutely jam-packed. So we'll be along to say hi to Rose calling in from Hamilton right after these words here on Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Well, you know, Charlie, I'm uh, glancing at my names here, and I thought, what an apt name for (laughs) someone calling in The Garden Show. There is Rose in Hamilton. Hi, good morning, Rose. Good morning. Morning. Hi, uh, Charlie. uh, I have a a great big uh, Christmas cactus. Hmm. I think it's root-bound, but what I want to know is, can I take it apart and take some of these roots and put it back in the same pot? So take it apart, as in take it out of the pot? Yeah, take it out of the pot. Now, I, I don't know whether you should know, a, it's about 30 years old, and the main stems are like like bark. Like Wood, the, yeah. Yeah. Very, yeah um, you know, that's the crazy thing about Christmas cactus. They can grow forever and ever and ever in the same pot, and then they're very difficult to repot just because they're so big and so heavy. Um, what I would suggest is, do get, if you can, get a bigger pot, get some fresh potting soil, Get some friends because you're not potting con- soil, not uh, uh, cactus soil. Oh uh, yes, cactus soil is even better because it's even better drained than okay. your average potting soil. Uh-huh. Get a bigger pot, not dramatically bigger, but say it's in an eight-inch pot. Now you could go to a ten or twelve-inch maximum size. See, my concern is, is it's it's I'm usually by myself and. Managing it in and out would be very hard if I put it in a much bigger pot. That's right. And also, you probably need some help just to get it. See, it, because you can't flip that kind of plant upside down or even lie it on its side without breaking it, the best way to do it, of course, is to have 
have somebody sort of holding it up, somebody else get down underneath and pull the pot off from mm-hmm. beneath uh, with your fingers, loosen up the roots if you can, have that new pot ready to go, soil in it, and then drop that mm-hmm. root ball back into the bigger pot with the, the cactus soil in it. So that that's the challenge. If you have anybody who can is willing to help you, I would definitely look for some help to do that. Uh, worst case, if you can't repot it, it's just impossible, do get some cactus soil. You could probably fill in a little little bit around the top of the, mm-hmm. the soil uh, at the you know ground level in the pot, just because I'm sure it has depleted over the last 30 years. A little more concerned. It's got little black streaks on some of the leaves. Does that mean anything or should I just not worry about it? Um, hard to say why there'd be little black streaks. Uh, be, uh, yeah, like I say, hard to say. If the main thing is that, that you want the leaves to be firm. You don't want them to be wrinkled. You don't want them to be soft. Uh Christmas cactus, we have a tendency to overwater them and we have a tendency to kill them by having them soggy all the time. So be aware of that. And that's the only reason you might see some black would be some kind of fungal thing happening. But if the plant looks good otherwise and you've had it for 30 years, chances are you're doing the right thing. Oh, great. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks for coming. Thanks, All righty. Yeah. Have a great weekend and thank you for joining us. That's a hard Here. one. I have seen pictures of yep. Christmas cactus that huge. are like, like a meter or more across. Like we're talking huge. Like, big. <laughs> like big. super big. Yeah. <laughs> um, need a clarification here. Andy is calling in uh-huh. and the location you're calling from, uh, it looks like Spanish. Is that correct? Uh, Andy? Good morning. Hi, oh, Andy. good morning, Charlie. We're- yeah, it's Spanish, Ontario. It's a oh. uh, little town on the North Channel, Lake Huron. Oh, oh wow. very good. Beautiful. Okay. Uh, my question is about uh, about morels, mm-hmm. or, or more specifically, false morels. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what can you tell me about false morels? <laughs> not a lot. Um, mycology is not one of my specialties, and that, of course, is the study of fungus, or fungi, as they say. So um, you're thinking about this for the purposes of collecting to eat? Yes. I'm not your best person to ask that question, That because there's just so many mushrooms that look like other mushrooms so there's some excellent obviously books written on the subject and um i'm trying to think i mean i actually have a friend who is a mycologist she, that's her thing she studied and does she does fungi <laughs> so she i should get her onto the show and she'd be mm-hmm. the right person to ask yeah. but yeah i would suggest using the web getting a hold of some books on that subject be very careful obviously doing any harvesting from the wild uh because too many mushrooms look like other mushrooms whoa yes. okay. so sorry i can't be much of use there <laughs> well thanks anyway andy and uh, have a great weekend thanks for uh, joining us here in the garden yeah. show um and oh yeah we have to take a bit of a break right here and then we're coming back to say hi to Anne in hagersville okay all that coming up next here on the garden show from zoomer radio don't change stations just because the weather changes garden tips and advice all year round This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Charlie, let's hop off to Hagersville, all righty? But you know what? Just before we go, uh, just going back to Andy, who was calling from Spanish. I said I'm not a mycologist. I couldn't really be of much help. But Andy, looking on the web, there's a lot of information on false morels versus real morels. There's videos. How to search for them, yeah. Yeah, and the differences between them, and I guess this is a very common question, and, and it can be a, a really big problem if you eat a false morel. As it says here, Know the difference, knowing the difference could save you a trip to the hospital. So yeah, Indeed, or your good, life. Yeah. Good, yeah, good question, mm-hmm. and yeah, the web is full of good information by the looks of it. All righty. Well, we've avoided Hagersville just for a moment. Here we yeah, are we're, back we're again. Here. Yep. There's Anne. Hey, good morning, Anne. 
Hello, I'm good. here. Good, good morning. Um, I want to find out if you have any info for your caller who called last week about the problem with um, the wild, yeah. not the poison oak, poison oak. Yeah, it was black oak she was calling black about. Black oak, black yeah. oak. Well, you know, if you have info, I'll get off the line, but I have had experience, not with the poison oak, but with a similar thing and what worked for me after much trial and error. Okay, and what was that? It was um, the pure frankincense oil oh. combined with two drops of any kind of moisturizer. Oh, wow. And I, I sound like I'm flogging frankincense oil. Uh, no. I'm, nothing worked. I went through all the usual channels with the doctor. I have a husband who has a bachelor and a master's and a PhD in pharmacy, and he knew what I was dealing with, and nothing was working. Hmm. He did that as a last resort after going through six months of agony. Wow. It worked for me. I can't wow. believe it. And, and was it, had you contacted something known as Black Oak? It was not Black Oak. Oh, okay. But it was, it was something. Um, I had a terrible reaction to the venom in the noceums. Oh, interesting. And uh, they're much more virulent than what they once used to be because mm -hmm. people are spraying, yep. and mm -hmm. they're stronger than what they used to be. Huh. And, and it, well, the, we're all different, eh? We yeah. all react differently, whether it's plants or insects or, you know, so much of life. Our skin reacts differently. Our body chemistry is different. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's interesting. I mean, some of us can roll in poison ivy and some of us can't <laughs> because yeah. we react. We are so allergic to it and so sensitive that we have a huge reaction. So, yeah, it is interesting. So where would you get a hold of pure frankincense oil? Well, I'm not doing a commercial for no. the company, but I know people who do uh, carry doTERRA essential oils. Oh, I see. Those little D right. dot T E R R A. Okay. And I think it says oils. Oh, okay. But cool. um, the place where I get it, it's my yoga instructor in Caledonia. And if I have the wrong. Um, email address. I'll get back to you on that. All right. No worries. But thank you, Anne. That's a good suggestion. And hopefully yeah, uh, Diane, who was calling last week from Hamilton, is, is listening today and is learning as we all are. Exactly. Thank you, Anne. Thanks, Anne. Appreciate it. Yeah. Now, let me reach for the bell. Here oh, we good. go. Yeah. Give first time caller. That's Janine in Scarborough. Good morning. Hello? No, hold Hello, on. Janine. Did she disappear on me? She oh, my did. goodness me. <laughs> you get As ahead I of yourself. Up, gone. Well, there you go. Oh, well, you uh, are so right. organized but, you know, that you're disorganized. <laughs> <laughs> well, I looked up and it was gone. Well, she was Susan in Union. That's come, come on in and save me, would you? <laughs> morning, Susan. Good morning, Charlie. <laughs> what's going on at your place? Good morning. Morning. What's happening at your place? I'm calling about uh, my limelight hydrangea. One of my all-time favorite plants, yep. Now, last fall, it was such a, not a nice fall, and I didn't get a chance to trim it back. Mm. And it's been so wet, I haven't been able to get out. That's fine. It's about eight feet tall and about eight feet wide. Yep. <laughs> and I, I was hoping I could go out today and nope. trim it.
she went back, but I just looked at it through the window and it's spudding. It's getting leaves on it. Oh, that's okay. Is it too late to cut it back? Not at all. Not at all. No, you're, you're two things. One is I never, I have a limelight similar to yours, big, and I never cut it back in the fall because I love what it looks like all winter. It's yeah, very. Yeah, I do too. The birds love it. That's very ornamental. All, it's those big bronze flowers hang on really quite well all, all winter. And right. I haven't gotten to mine either. Don't worry about the budding part. The so main, I can just cut it back by, by a third now if I want? You can, but do it on a dry day. Always yes. do pruning yes. on a dry day, which of course today isn't, but tomorrow is supposed to be. And when you're taking it back, the main thing is just try and end up with a balanced plant because yes. it wants to be eight feet tall and eight feet wide. And I've tried very hard to keep mine around the six foot point, but uh, it's a losing battle. It wants to be. I know, I know it is. I, so, I just love them. And I thought, oh no, now I can't cut it back. And yeah. Oh yeah, you can. If I do, it's not going to bloom. And- oh yeah, no, it will. Because remember, it's a late bloomer. So anything that blooms late in the yes, season does, has, yes. okay. is still going to form its flower. Okay, well, that's great. Later. Thank you. I'm going to call you back because I have another question. Excellent. Excellent. Oh, good for love you. Love it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Call Susan. early, call often. And I'm going to get myself question. out of trouble at home. Shirley said, ask Charlie about slow release fertilizer right. and I said I'll promise to do that but we have other callers that take precedence over that so if we can squeeze in the answer at the end of the show we'll do that okay. meantime to stay on track here is Brian from Coburg good morning Brian good morning how are you this morning great thank you good morning good morning uh, I have a question about uh, corn gluten mm-hmm. I uh, applied um, an application um uh, about a week and a half ago Perfect. to uh, curtail the uh, crabgrass. Yes. And nowhere does it say uh, how long I have to wait before I can overseed my lawn because I know that uh, oh. corn gluten will not, uh, you can't uh, seed Yes, uh, it, it, it stops the process. <clears throat> yes, it inhibits the germination of all seeds. So you're right. That's why we use it is to keep the crabgrass seeds from growing. So that's perfect. Uh, it's interesting. It doesn't say it anywhere on the bag. Eh? It is five to six weeks from application. So it was about 10 days ago that you applied. You still got to wait a month or so to put fresh grass seed down to get that growing to fill in any patches you might have. Great. Okay. okay, I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Right. And thank you for joining us on this uh, kind of rotten-looking weekend. So far, good news maybe is tomorrow. That I we... think it's even supposed to clo- clear up today. Oh, really? I haven't yeah. checked, but, uh, you know, uh, it, that's what it, I hear. Well, let's hope so. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Well, speaking of clearing up, yeah. I, I noticed on the web that the uh, cherry blossoms are in peak, oh, yes, peak that's condition right over there in today the and right up until about Wednesday, they said, midweek. So you and I will not be going over there We for will not. Today. No, no, no. It's a car-free zone, number one, and number two, there's millions of people, yeah. and we just do not want to deal with that. Exactly. So we'll just watch on the web. There's some great, again, there's there's cameras on the cherry trees. You can watch live <laughs> there, there <laughs> on you your are. screen. Yeah. And don't pick them. Oh. Do not pick them. Yeah. Do not touch them. Take pictures only. Yep. Barbara in Hamilton. Good morning. Welcome to the show. Morning. Hi, Barbara. Morning, Barbara. No. I have a question. I'm back again about my poinsettia. Okay. I don't know what to do with it now. <laughs> what does that look like? <laughs> It's uh, Now, I did hear at the tail end of one of your shows, I listened faithfully, but I guess my ears go the other direction sometimes, <laughs> but uh, there was something about you can actually plant them outside. Did I hear correctly? Well, what I do with a poinsettia, when you're looking at your poinsettia right now, is it is it all green? Has it got lots of leaves? Uh, it, it's just green, like 
stems, yeah. I guess you call oh, them. Oh, no leaves so, at all. Um, well, very few, and if they are, they're dead. If I touch them, they'll fall off. Okay. So if you can, get that plant in its pot into a window somewhere where it's bright. Get out your scissors or pruners and cut it back. So if right now it's standing a foot tall, you're going to bring it down to about two inches tall. And you'll you'll look at the stems. There are little bumps on the stems. Like, they're not totally smooth. There's green, and then there's a bump, sort of a gnarly bit, if you will, and then the smooth green and then another bump. Mm. Those bumps are called nodes. And at the bump is where new growth will come from, particularly if you cut back. So my point here is to cut back to nodes at whatever number of stems you've got there, cut them all back down to two or three inches tall. So just above a bump in your sunny window, mix up some fertilizer, all purpose flowering plant fertilizer, water with that every two to three weeks when you're watering. Be careful. You don't want to drown this plant. It's got no leaves on it. So it just needs to be kept one thorough watering uh, till the water comes out the drainage holes in the pot dump out that excess water in that bright sunny location, you should start to see some new growth starting from those bumps, from those nodes. And then once we're frost free, so, you know, in a couple of weeks from now, I would take the plant out, put it in a shady spot, make sure that it does get water as it requires through the entire spring and summer. By August, you're going to have a nice green bushy plant. And that green bushy plant can then be turned into a colored bushy plant if you follow the uh, rules and regulations around that happening. And of course, that's all to do with a treatment for light. And you have to control light and dark on that plant in order to get it to turn color. But for now, in, in a shady or semi-shady spot in the garden, it makes a lovely addition to just leave it in the pot, sit it on the surface of the soil, or dig the pot into the ground if you want, but make it easy for yourself to get it up and into the house by late August. And call me in August and we'll talk about light and dark treatments. <laughs> Okay. Okay. You keep me posted on that. Then. I will. So yeah, okay. your job uh, is so to get, get I... it growing. Thank, thank you, Barbara. Thanks uh, for calling. Yeah, exactly. You know, while we're just quickly speaking here, or at least I will just quickly add a note about the floods in Ontario. It's so devastating. <laughs> and we often refer to that, the area up north as cottage country, forgetting oh, that yeah. like there's thousands and thousands who People, live up of there course, on a permanent yeah. basis. Yeah, so, yeah. Boy, our hearts are sure with you. But, boy, oh boy. But I understand there, it has stabilized it's, in terms of the water levels. To, yes. And I guess there's uh, a move towards. Yep doing a better job with the water. I mean, that's what it's all about, right? All the water in Ontario is pretty much controlled with dams. It's just a question of who's... Who made the rules? Yep. Who gets flooded, right? Somebody, when there's a lot of water, and, and it's going to And when you build on a up. floodplain, yikes. Well, then know. there's that, too. Yeah. 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 Anyway, uh, our hearts are out to you. Yeah. Carol in Mount Mir, uh, welcome wow. to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Where's Mount Mir? No, no. Near Mount Forest. Ah. Oh, okay. We're, gotcha. We're oh, I know exactly, exactly where you are. <laughs> okay. Gotcha. A uh, question on growing uh, little, starting little plants indoors. In particular, I'm trying to grow cantaloupe. Oh, wow. Or, uh, or uh, what's the other one? Uh, Watermelon. Uh, nope, the other melon, but anyway. Oh, honeydew or something. Honeydew, yeah. that's yeah, the yeah. One. Okay. I start them in the little tiny peak. Pots, yeah, you can. Called. Yep, yeah, they yeah. come up. I set them, put them in a little um, cellophane type thing, put them up on the shelf above the wood stove, nice and toasty, warm. Yeah, they sprout up. They mm-hmm. come up with their two leaves. Perfect. Transplant them into another pot, mm-hmm. 
and they may sit there for a couple of weeks, and then all of a sudden they just fall over. Ah, so they literally just, they're standing up nice little green stems with green leaves, and then you wake up one morning and they're lying on the surface of the soil? Or I just watch them go during the day. Huh. Yeah, they just, it's like they wilt as if they're not, as if they don't have enough moisture. But they do. You ha- they have enough moisture, I assume? Pardon? They do have enough moisture, do, yes. do they not? Okay, what about yes. sun? Are you giving them sun after they've germinated? They're in they're in a window. I right. mean, okay. as much sun as comes in a window this time of year on these days. Mm-hmm. And the, they're green at that point when they just start to deteriorate. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you know what you've got happening there? It is, it's a syndrome, and it's called damping off. Uh, it's caused by various fungi uh, that uh, cause the stem to collapse. And damping off happens when the plants are kept too moist, number one. Uh, number two, the fungus is in that soil that you have transplanted into, so it's not a fresh, clean, sterile soil. Uh, number three, you've got insufficient air circulation. So you've got that sort of dead air sitting on the surface of the soil uh, around the plants and the fungus is able to thrive and it wipes out your plants. So a couple things you can do. One is you, the peat pots, if you're using the little peat pellets, those are the ones that kind of blow up when you put water on them, that'll be a sterile little pellet. But make sure everything you're handling your hands are clean, your potting up pots are fresh and clean and sterile, wash them you know, thoroughly with bleach and water, any soil that you're going to transplant into potting soil, make sure, it, again, it's brand new bag. Or if you have so much used and you want to reuse it, you can sterilize it by putting it in your oven and bake that soil. I know Frank's oh, looking really? at me like, wow. what? Yeah. <laughs> Baked soil, yes, indeed. So you can sterilize, you know, 400 degrees for a couple oh. hours, bake that soil, kill any of the life in that potting soil that you're reusing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, get the, the germinate again, get some new plants growing, and just go, be very, very sanitary. Into that window is good. Be very careful with your watering. And when you walk by the plants, uh, pet them. Just pet those little plants, just gently. Stroke your fingers across the those little leaves that are coming up, and that will circulate the air and also stuff, toughens up their stems. Oh, there you go. I know. Can you imagine petting yeah. little seeds? Well, there you it's go. It's very therapeutic. Well, you talk to your plants. So well, and I pet not? them too. Yeah. I yell at them sometimes. <laughs> I don't always talk nicely. <laughs> Well, that's so cool. good luck with that, Carol. But um, yeah, seedlings when they fall over for mm-hmm. no apparent reason, and be careful with the water. You want moist, but not wet all the time. Okay, all right. sounds good. Thanks, Alrighty. Carol. Good luck. Thank let, you. Let us know how that goes because melons are so amazing. If you can get them out in the garden early enough, yeah. get some melons. Hey, this is nice to see, and we'll be dealing with uh, a caller who's calling in for the second time round, mm-hmm. Susan from Union. Hold on, we're going to get to you right after these words on the Garden Show. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Charlie, we often say, y'all come back now. Well, son of a gun, didn't Susan (laughs) decide to come on back from Union? Hi, Susan. Welcome back. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Frank. I tried to sneak that second question in, but I didn't think I better. It's along the same idea as the... um, Limelight hydrangea, the mm. Jackmanny clematis, I usually cut back, like yep. you say, in the spring. But I looked at that as well, and it's about a, it's over a foot now. The new shoots coming up. Can I cut it back? You can.
okay, so if there's new shoots coming up from ground level, like they're soft and, and green and succulent, so to speak, try and leave those alone. It's the crispy, dried up ones from last year that it's, if you can cut those back and don't worry that you will be throwing away some new growth on those. Um, but do, if you can cut those back, get that all off into the composter. Your clematis will be a better looking vine for, for doing that because you will end up with more shoots coming from the base and you'll end up with flowers from ground all the way up to the top. So eight or nine feet high, solid flowers. If we don't cut back those clematis, we end up with flowers only on the tips and it's all kind of not very pretty down at the base. Ones with nothing on them right now. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, go through there carefully. Clematis very, very brittle in the spring. So it's it's always a bit of a challenge to not break anything. But as, if you, whatever you can cut back, I would. Okay. All okay. right. Thanks a lot. You're very welcome. Okay. Thank you, Susan. Delighted to have you back here. Uh, you, by the way, my friends, are listening to The Garden Show, and it is from Zoomer Radio, AM 740, 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. And those dulcet tones, of course, are Franklin Proctor, <laughs> yes. the sous chef of the garden, Why, or thank you. as I prefer to call him, the under, under, <laughs> under gardener. <laughs> yes, yes, probably a better fit. Mm. Uh, there's Sandra in Milton. Good morning, Sandra. Hello. Good morning. Good morning uh, to both of you. I have a wisteria. Mm-hmm. It's about eight years old, growing against a 10-foot fence, board fence, okay. which the industrial developers put in. Uh, it's about more than a quarter mile long. It's all along our lots huh, in the country. And um, anyway, what's happened is, as of last year, uh I got my grandson to climb a ladder and see what was going on on the other side. Uh-huh. And it was a wealth of blooms. Oh, um, I hate that. <laughs> uh, where no one even gets the, uh, see them. The, to see them. Because it's gone My question under. is, can I cut it back now um, for height? Yeah. And how far up from the ground should I cut it? Okay, so wisteria are, are um, quite a plant to grow, and you've obviously chosen a good place to put it, a solid fence, quarter of a mile long. Soon that will all be covered in wisteria because it's a very vigorous plant. It's also a very heavy plant. So uh, I'm glad you found a nice solid uh, structure for it to grow on, and it's nowhere near your house because the last thing you want is wisteria on your house if you can avoid it. Um, now, yes, cutting it back is, like I say, it's an art unto itself. You want to, you can cut it back now and you will be is there's for a real wisteria people there's they got cut back three times through the growing season to control them and to encourage the blooming stems as opposed to a bunch of green leaves on the plant and i've i know i've had clematis where it goes up one side of the fence and then it goes down the other side of the fence where there's more sunlight which is my neighbor's backyard and so i go over to my neighbors and go my clematis looks great from your yard. Looks like nothing on my side. So it's like, you know, when you come home from work and I'm mm-hmm. sitting in your backyard, you know why. I'm enjoying my clematis in your backyard. <laughs> so if you want to try and train that wisteria to your side, but unfortunately, if there's more sun on the other side, it's going to naturally grow and bloom more on that side. Um, do you, uh, Sandra, I assume you have access to the internet? No, I don't. You don't. Okay. Cause I was going to say, do you remember a magazine called Canadian Gardening? Did yes. you ever, yes. did you ever, Keep any of those copies, or the library probably no, has them. No, not no. Um, I know about the horizontal pruning mm-hmm. and keeping it. You know, um, I've got all that. I think from one of your shows right. once before uh, on how to prune, um, like the horizontal 
training it horizontally. That's, that's right. I've tried to do that. Okay. <laughs> it's a little difficult. But no, my concern is just the height of it mm-hmm. and the fact, like you say, that it's over the other side. Mm-hmm. And I would like to bring it back height-wise. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, to, so... To my- that's that's fine. I mean, and now early we're, we're still early enough in the spring, so you can certainly prune it now. Um, the rule of thumb is remove at least half of last year's growth, and leave just a few buds per stem. Um, and then, of course, you're going to stay on top of that through the growing season because you're going to find all kinds of shoots are going to shoot out all over the place, and uh, it is something that you do need to kind of stay on top of. But there, the local library probably has Canadian Gardening Magazine, which did an excellent blow by blow on how to prune wisteria mm-hmm. for the Ontario gardener as opposed to an American publication and it was with photographs and graphics and explanations and it was it is on the web as well so if you can access a computer just google pruning wisteria um Canadian gardening magazine uh I would do that just to just a really nice visual photo essay on how to do it but yes now's the time to start pruning no question things like wisteria need to be cut back but by how, half how far from the ground up can I cut off the top growth? Uh, well, um, it's going to be based on last year's growth. So I'm assuming, how, you said you planted it how many years ago? Maybe. Sorry, what was that? Eight. Oh, eight years, years ago. Yeah. So you're going to have a good-sized trunk on that where it, when you planted it. From there, you, some new growth may have come out last year. Like, you have to look at last year's growth. You have okay. to bring back last year's growth to just a few buds per stem. So depending on where last year's growth, whether it's from the base or it's up at that 10-foot height, it's hard to say. But that's what... I, I, like, I wouldn't just give the whole thing a haircut down at a foot tall or anything like that. You would probably regret that. No. It's, it's going through looking at last year's growth, bringing bringing it back. Okay. Okay. All right. Good luck with uh, that, we'll Sandra. See what we can do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Keep in touch. Let us know how you get on with that. Okay. Huh. Sandra in Milton there, as we say goodbye to her, that leaves the line open at in Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere else in the province, it is toll free. 1-866-740-4740. I'm glancing at the clock here and yeah, we're going to take another little break here and then come back to say hi to Sophie calling in from Hamilton here on The Garden Show from Zuma Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zuma Radio. Well, Shirley, it looks like we're going to be holding Shirley. your question. Yeah. Oh, Shirley's for question. Week. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Slowly. Well, either that so, or Shirley should well, call in, I Yeah, think. yeah. That's so, Shirley, well, give us a call. Ask exactly. your question. Okay. Right. Sophie, though, is on the line from <laughs> Hamilton. Morning. Good morning to both. Morning. Charlie, hi. My phone is very, very weak, so can you please yell so I can hear you? Sure, I can yell. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. A friend gave me uh, gladiolus bulbs last year. Mm -hmm. I know absolutely nothing about gladiolus. I left them in a box nicely arranged, but I forgot them in the garage. Oh. So please help me out here. All right. Have you looked in the box? 
I have looked in the box. And is it mush or are there still gladiola bulbs in there? No, they're nice and they're sturdy. Oh, nice. That's great. So you must have a well-insulated garage. Uh, oh, or, that's or, good. But yeah, because they, they do not want frost. They will just turn to mush. They are too tender and so that's excellent. They survived the winter. Your job now is to find a nice, sunny, well-drained spot on your property and uh, don't rush out with them yet. I'd probably wait two weeks and in two weeks, I would take them out. You're going to plant them roughly four inches or 10 centimeters deep. Um, when you look at them, there's going to be a, <clears throat> they're round, but there's kind of a little tufted top part, which is almost like a pointy tufted top. And if you look at the bottom, there's a flat bottom. So try and put the flat bottom down and the pointy end up four inches deep, well-drained, good quality soil, lots of sun. And they will, they will slowly, green leaves will come up. And by early August, they should be in full bloom. You may need to stake them. Glads can get quite tall. And if there's a fair, if, if it's a windy spot, they can keel over. So you may need some very thin bamboo stakes just to stabilize them. They make a great cut flower as well. Um, so enjoy the blooms. And then once they're done blooming by September, October, it's up to you. If you leave them in the garden, they're going to die. If you dig them up and clean them up, and put them away back in the garage for the winter, you'll have them again for next spring. Okay. Okay. So you're saying four inches deep. So I've got like a little, little stem coming up from each one. Does yep. the whole thing have to go in? Yep. The whole thing. So the bottom of that bulb, it's technically it's a, called a corm, but it, for our purposes, we'll call it a bulb. The bottom of that, that little vegetative bit that you're going to drop down under the soil is going to go down four inches deep. Okay. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you very much. You're, you're welcome, very, Sophie. Have a good day. You okay. too. Thanks for calling. Sean in Burlington on the line. Good morning, Sean. Hi, Sean. You mean me? Good morning. Is this Sean? No, it's Yvonne. Oh, actually. Yvonne. Oh, okay. Hello. Sorry about okay, that. Hi. Good morning. All right. Hi. hi. I've called before. I just want to ask about quickly about cedars. Huh? We have a bunch growing in the back. They're like the back and the side of the property. And my husband didn't cut his hedges anymore. Mm-hmm. So they've gone wild. Mm-hmm. So we were going to cut them back three feet. Mm-hmm. Well, that encouraged growth below because it's getting really bare and it, they bow out now about eight feet. Oh, my. From when. Um, okay, so the challenge with cedars is you don't always get a lot of fresh growth off the older wood, but you can. So right now, how tall would you say they are roughly? Oh, about 12, 13 feet. Right, so you'd like to take about three feet off the top. Yeah. I, I would do that. I would probably wait another couple of weeks before I did that. But yes, I mean, it's at the back of the property. What's the worst thing that can happen, right? They're just going to have a flat top. Um, I would do some shearing on the sides as well. Now, I wouldn't go in, do anything too radical, but... See, taking the top down is going to encourage side shoots and shearing those probably very loose and, and billowy side shoots will cause more denseness in the foliage, which will also provide you with more green and, you know, less wood. The reason you have not, nothing really growing at the very bottom is probably because the top part is shading out the bottom part. So with that shearing, try and do some shaping on the plants so that they are narrower at the top than they are at the bottom. And that way you're more likely to get sun penetrating to the bottom and more likely to get new green growth down there. And then it gives you that nice green wall that you're looking for. Oh, oh I, we're never going to get to that. They're, they're no. just gone way beyond that. Yeah, now. well, they do. They get overgrown and neglected. But yeah, and, and the lilacs are on the other side. 
Can I do the same thing? Can I share those? Because they've bowed out too. Yeah, we never share a lilac. Lilacs, wait till they bloom, get out your pruners and yep. prune very specifically. Shearing is, is never a good idea with lilacs. The natural form of a lilac is, is a vase shape or the shape of a V. So just look at the plant and try and bring it back into that original shape without shearing if you can avoid I've, it. I've got 30 feet of lilac. <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> they've been there for 60 years. So I'll you, do well, then you might yeah, want to share got them. Thank you very much, Yvonne. Yep. Thank you. <laughs> Uh, North York uh, is where Julie is where funny. Julie lives. Oh my goodness! Hi, Julie. Welcome to the show. <laughs> oh, hi. Good morning. Um, yes, I went to Lowe's and they were selling off these hydrangeas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they like took all the dried flowers off. Is it uh, okay to plant in the garden? Um, the ones that would be in Lowe's now would have been what we call florist hydrangeas, uh, and they are likely to survive beautifully all summer. They may even survive the winter, but they are not long-term plants. Uh, it depends on the kind of weather we have and where you plant them. But the florist hydrangeas are marginal hardy, so you know it, if you've got a nice little corner in your garden that's kind of protected from the northwest wind, that's your better chance of success to have these plants actually survive. But like I cut all the dry flowers off yep. and all the greenery is still there. Yes, indeed. Yep. yep. But and don't... I could plant them in the, at the end of May, right? Yes, exactly. And a lot of sun? Uh, well, not really. Half day sun, preferably morning sun is best. Oh, thank you so much. You're okay. very welcome. Thank Bye-bye. you, Julie. Bye. For Thanks such for a happy calling. Sounding voice I know. I, I have a feeling Julie's a first time caller. I don't recognize that voice. No. Well, in any case... Nice to have had you on the show. Yes, And come indeed. on back next week. But meantime, we might have time to cover off just that one final thing for Shirley. Well, hold on. If, no, yes. no, hold no, on. No, oh, I have one, one more thing. announcement for next right. Saturday. This sounds like fun. The Innisfil Garden Club is having a spring. Actually, you and Shirley should go to this. Spring Flower Show and Tea. Uh, so they're hosting that at the Churchill Community Center, which is 632. 22 Young Street, open to everyone. Mm-hmm. Come and meet the members of the Innisfil Garden Club. Enjoy tea and a late lunch. It's $7 a person. Purchase your tickets at the door. And you never know, you just might want to join the Innisfil Garden Club after you've had a ton of fun next Saturday with them. Very good. Okay. All right. Shirley's question. Slow still time. release slow. fertilizer. <laughs> that was the whole question. What about slow release fertilizer? I love slow release fertilizer when I'm planting up containers. So I've got my pot, I've got my potting soil, I've got all my little plants I'm going to plant into that pot. I look at my slow-release fertilizer, it's big chunks of fertilizer. On the package, it's going to tell me how much to put in based on the size of my pot. So after I've got the soil up to, you know, within a couple inches of the top of the Mm -hmm. pot, I scoop out the right amount, twirl it around with my fingers, jam all my little plants into my pot, water thoroughly, and that's it. I do not need to fertilize for the rest of the summer. Oh, no kidding. It's a four-month fertilizing. So that's what we love about slow-release fertilizer. It just takes away that trying to remember to fertilize. (laughs) Now, I think in Shirley's case, she's purchased hanging baskets. Now, I'm just not sure whether she's going to hang those up or take them out of those pots or what the plan is. But yes, if you're doing anything with those pre-planted hanging baskets, try to plot them up into bigger pots and definitely add some fertilizer. Thank you, Charlie. Now I've got a tickle of my throat. I know so I can you hear take you. over. I will. So I'm, I'm happy to do that. And I know that you, Frank, are busy for the rest of the afternoon with Live in the City. And of course, we're not going to High Park, unfortunately, but we will find a little bite to eat somewhere today. Uh, thank you, Frank. Thank and you. Thank you, Duncan. Good job on the board. Thanks to all our great callers. Couldn't do any of this without the great callers. So keep them coming. See you again next week.
This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.